Podcasts of Joe Walsh and Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on the AM560 mobile app. Download it today at 560theanswer.com slash mobile. Good morning, Dan and Amy. And I find it fascinating, the D.C. press corps reporting uh, Trump's remarks at the U.N. the other day, his press conference yesterday, where in part he talked uh, trade, of course, including his... uh, canceling a meeting with that uh, fifth grade drama teacher from who runs Canada because uh, the discussions haven't been productive. But uh, of course, the big question is about tariffs and the impact on tariffs. And it's fascinating looking at all these stories where the D.C. press corps is reporting on the economic impact of tariffs. This is the only tax that they actually assess in terms of economic impact, a tariff imposed by a GOP president. Now, I don't support the tariff increase, the tax increases in the form of tariffs. I don't support Trump's protectionist trade policies. But I do find it interesting that would you get and do you get fair and complete analyses of the impact of tax cuts? No, not, not, no interest there. Oh, do you get uh, fair and complete reporting even on an Econ 101 level of tax increases, personal, corporate, capital? No. But when a GOP president imposes tariffs on, uh, on on a country like China that is in violation of all the WTO accords, in addition to just sort of the, the rule of international law when it comes to intellectual piracy. Oh, then we need to, to, to talk to California farmers the, who uh, a pistachio grower in California uh, complaining about the heavy tariffs being placed on him by China. Ford Motor Company. The CEO of Ford Motor, Jim Hackett, saying the metal tariffs, steel tariffs, took about a billion dollars in profits from us. And the irony is that we secure, secure most of the uh, steel in the U.S. today anyway. Um, and uh, again, I, ter- tax increases bad I- on, on productive capacity, bad idea, which is why I oppose tariffs. But I, I just the the focus of discussion when it comes to this issue from the D.C. press corps, how it's reported with respect to farmers, they suddenly rediscover. And they're, they're now very concerned about farmers' income. And they're very concerned about uh, uh, our ability to export domestically produced products, whether they be farm products or products from other sectors. It's just interesting to note. For more on this topic, as well as the uh, unanimous decision yesterday to uh, by the Fed to lift the uh, benchmark federal funds rate to a range of between two and two and a quarter percent and what that portends for unwinding us from a decade of quantitative easing with one more uh, scheduled rate hike reported to be in the offing before year's end. We're pleased to be joined by Jim Urio. He is a CNBC contributor and an entrepreneur who owns uh, Brant's in Palatine best burger this side of the Mississippi, as I understand it. Jim Urio, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. So um, let's start with the Fed. What? Uh, well, actually, you know what? Let's start with uh, what I was saying about uh, tariffs and uh, the media's interest in this tax because it's promulgated by a GOP president and virtually no other when it comes to impact. How have you uh, responded to all of the reporting being done on the impacts of the tariffs Trump has imposed? Well, here's the 
thing that's interesting to me, and it, it takes out something that you said a second ago that we're conditioned to. You said Trump's protectionist trade policies, and that's certainly one way to look at it. But there's, the way I've always looked at it, and I think the way the market has looked at it, is that he is a free trade president. He's a proponent of free trade, and he was using these tools to achieve that end. And I know it seems ironic, when, but it's you know the same sort of irony as a, a, a police officer carrying a gun. He's not pro-violence. He's against violence, but in Trump and Larry Kudlow are against tariffs, but particularly they were against the tariffs that the rest of the world was charging it on. Now, you and I both agree that this might not be the best way. I actually think it's, it's not a good way at all. But if it works out, particularly if it works out in the next six weeks and, and some of these trade partners are willing to negotiate, he's going to look like a genius. But I want to underscore the point that th- these are always put in as a tool to fight tariffs. And I understand the irony as well as anyone else, but I refuse to say that he has protectionist trade policies when his goal is to eliminate protections to trade. Yeah, but what about the auto industry? I mean, you had the the Ford CEO saying that their company faces $1 billion in lost profits. Well, and I think that's a big deal. And then you, you can look at cars, you can look at planes, you can look at brewers, you can look at, you know, Campbell's Soup Company. There are a lot of companies that probably are going to suffer from this. I thought it would be, I thought it would be in technology as well, but some of the bigger names get exemptions. Yeah, but if you look nice. at, you know, Ford, Micron Technology, corn and soybeans, and you put those charts all up together, you can tell that that's a very real worry in a, I, I'm going to say a fairly small part of the um a part of the uh, the, the stock market, the, the corporate picture that's taking the brunt of this, where the overall market is, seems to be relatively buoyant. So is it a big deal? Sure, it's a big deal. But up until this point, the market had viewed it as a vehicle toward free trade. As these, and I'm going to look at those four charts that I mentioned, if they continue another leg down, I think it's going to be morphing from uh, a, a transitory period to something that's becoming more of a reality, and that's the tariffs. Well, I hope, uh, I mean, as long as Larry Kudlow is there, I have hope. But if he goes away, then I think my optimism will as well about uh, where Trump wants to, uh, where Trump is willing to end up, I should say, because, I mean, you, you still have this problem, and he mentioned it at his presser yesterday. He mentioned it in his otherwise uh, you know, rather remarkable speech before the U.N. General Assembly a couple of days ago. The uh, the trade imbalances and the idea that we a trade deficit is somehow uh, a wealth being extracted from this country. His misunderstanding of trade deficits perhaps is the greatest concern I have in terms of where he is willing to settle for an outcome. Amen. And I, I actually think it's funny that when he should be talking about things like um, intellectual property theft from China, he should be talking about currency manipulations from some of our biggest trade partners. And those are the things we want agreements on. The trade deficit, as you said, is a very difficult thing to um, you know ascertain whether it's positive or negative on us. So, yeah, I think that that's, that's not the right place to be looking. When you mentioned Larry Kudlow, you know, Larry Kudlow, who I've known is a close friend for years, has always been one of his mantras is, you know, free market capitalism is the best best path to prosperity. I've heard him say it a thousand times. It was his catch line on his show. Right. So for me to say he's a free market guy, well, yeah, he, I, I've heard him say it a lot of times, and I know that's the goal he's trying to get to. Yeah, no question, and I, I don't dispute that at all. That's why I'm so happy he's uh, there uh, in, in Trump's ear. Uh, let me ask you about uh, your assessment of the uh, the interest rate hike yesterday. President Trump 
didn't greet that with enthusiasm for obvious reasons. But uh, it's is it a necessary step to normalize interest rates and unwind from the a decade of easy money and uh, and, and what are, and what are the short term impacts? Yeah, no doubt. I think that that hiking rates is the appropriate thing to do. I think that what he did yesterday was more appropriate than before, and that that he sounded a little dovish. He didn't increase any um, tightening slash hawkish tone, and the market viewed him viewed it as um, somewhat placating. And and the stock market rallied afterwards, and I know it turned around and broke later. But then to me, that means it's just a market position trade, the weakness that followed the strength. The strength for the first hour was the actual interpretation of what he said. And yes, he did tighten, and yes, he's going to tighten the rest of the, uh, one more time this year. At least that's what he's planning on. But he is willing to consider data as it comes out. And I think when he sounded a little more dovish, I think it was partially because of geopolitical tensions and tariffs, although I don't believe he mentioned them by name. But I think that, that if, they, if they become the new reality, well, then the Fed might have to respond. Our, our friend and your Scott Shalady, Fox Business contributor, suggests that, look, um, there are some uh, warning signs with respect to the market and a correction, but he doesn't see anything in the immediate offing, not at least until corporate profits are less robust than they currently are. Right. And I, everybody, you'll hear a bunch of pundits on TV say this is a long bull market, a 10-year bull market. That's not really true in my opinion. 2015, 2016 were sideways at best in the market, and we spent four months under the 200-day moving average. And I don't mean to, to bore you with technical analysis, but in my mind, that was a relatively major correction. So in my mind, this rally is only two years old. And, and business cycles and stock market rallies usually have an expiration date, that's obvious. But when the first eight years of it was so swimming upstream and such a lackluster recovery, I think this one, to to make an argument that this could get extended, both the economic cycle and the stock market, I think is appropriate. And I I actually would even go so far as to say this year, we've only come up and and taken out the uh, highs that we put in January right before that vicious downturn we had within the last two weeks. So I think this, this bull market is not in any worry of, like, running out of steam. I think we'll have small corrective phases along the way, but I'm still pretty positive. All right. He is Jim Murio, CNBC contributor, the proprietor of Brants and Palatine. Uh, you watch, uh, you listen to the Kavanaugh hearings on AM560 this morning, then go yeah. grab a burger at Brants for lunch. Amen. Jim, thanks I'll so much there. Thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate it. And he joined us, yeah, sorry, he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line. Connect with Dan and Amy on the AM560, The Answer mobile app. Just text the word app to 64636 to download the app today.